welcome, welcome to X-rated. X-Rated. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. We are two guys that used to date, and now we don't, and now we talk about movies. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because when you think about it, we have a standing date to make this podcast, so we're kind of... We're dating? We're, we go on dates, but we're not dating. Yeah. This sounds like a... Uh, Which does sound like my love life. Premise for a horrible 80s sitcom. They go on dates, but they're not dating. Do do X-rated mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Beep. Yeah, let's let's greenlight this. Do we need wacky neighbors and or children? Mm-hmm. Oh, we oh oh oh, we've got your hot neighbor with the hot butt. Yeah, hot butt is south. Cute nerdy guy is up north. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has a living girlfriend, so Ugh. uh over it. Maybe she could be wacky in some way, or maybe he's like closeted. Oh, yeah. And like she's his beard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and we like scheme to like get him out of the closet. Yeah, there was an episode where we talked about all the uh, rifle carrying members outside uh, who are angry about the podcast. Perhaps mm-hmm. we could we could whittle that down to one or two characters. Have like a a Wilson we have style a character, kooky NRA neighbor. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, the '80s was anything goes. So. Sure. They had a show about an alien eating cats. Like, that's how desperate they were for material. Someone reminded me the other day of the Family Matters opening sequence, how it was like, as they're introducing the characters, they're just doing something, then they turn to the camera and smile. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was doing that. Like, the aunt was, like, working at a cash register and then just like, hey. Yeah. Well, that's that's how it worked, right? Yeah. Can we have an opening like that? Yeah, of course. Great. <laughs> uh, what task do you want to be doing? Do you want to be like at the bar? I was, bar? Well, I was hoping I could be podcasting, talking into a microphone. Maybe that's what like the opening credit, like the, the title will, oh, okay. will come across. Is us talking to each other? Yeah. Using big hand gestures. Like it'll show me with like, you know, one of those like green visors in like a dimly lit room, like scouring over some... <laughs> You know, ledgers and balance sheets, just like pulling my hair out, uh-huh. uh, and it'll show you like shaking some yeah. cartel and then wiping up some barf that somebody <laughs> did on the counter. Yeah, uh, but then like the the happy intro that says you know X rated uh, is us podcasting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, we can turn to camera and then it, I can see it just appearing over us. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing now, right? Yeah. I read, I did read le- pretty recently that somebody up in Netflix was like, we have 700 new movies and uh, TV shows coming out this year. So I think our idea. 699 of them you will never hear about. Yeah. I think our idea could be one of them. So throw some money our way, Netflix. Would you rather be rich or stupid? Uh, Let's see. Well. Why can't I be both? That Rich sounds ideal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What would you rather give up? Both tonsils, one kidney. Both tonsils. Yeah. I hate my tonsils. You still have them? Yes. How do you know what life is like without them? I don't need tonsils. They don't do anything. You don't need both kidneys. Well, but at least both of them are working. I just Tonsils are just hanging out. They collect sugar or something? Yeah. They create tonsil stones which are gross do you get those i do don't google it they smell terrible (laughs) what yeah how do you smell them when they like this is disgusting i can't believe i'm talking about this if like i cough one up 
it, it like you what know, they smell bad they smell like the most ungodly disgusting thing they you can take imagine. a physical form yeah it's like a little yellow nugget like a spiral nugget yeah is it like the stuff that like whales cough up that they make cologne out of ambergris <laughs> <laughs> I wish it smelled like that, even though I don't know what ambergris smells like. It's got to be better than what tonsil stones smell like. My God, man. They're gross. And I, they just like, I don't know, you just get them. They're not bad. They're not a bad thing, but they're gross and smelly. All right. If you could only clean one of these for the rest of your life, what would it be? Eyes or ears? Wait, clean? Yeah, like you couldn't. You couldn't scrape the eye boogers out of your eyes anymore. Come on. <laughs> uh, or you could never you could never swab your ears anymore. I'd have to go with my ears. Uh, as to leave dirty? No, to clean. Oh. Have to, I'd have to clean my ears. So you'll you'll go to a business meeting with an eye full of crap? Well, I cuz I use my ears so much. I have to listen. I can't have that all blocked up with wax. <laughs> Do you really think the wax is clogging it? It'll affect my Hearing, yes. You don't think that your body has a natural way, like uh, like rape, to just shut it down? <laughs> like a self-cleaning wax yeah, situation? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like, we weren't born with swabs. Your ears must have a way to, like, clean it out. You could go in the shower and rinse it out. I don't think Like, that's the water. True. You could go into a pool. I don't know. Chlorinate it. Well, then that's what I'll do with my eyes. I'll just go in the shower. But By still. that logic, I can rinse off the eye boogers that way. Okay, okay. All right. Would you rather never be able to take your shoes off or not be able to put shoes on? Okay, never be able to take my shoes off. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was born with shoes on? I mean, you weren't born with them. Just, like, now your little converse there are stuck on your feet forever. Or I have to go barefoot. You can wear socks. Okay. I'll even allow flip-flops and sandals. Okay. I'll do that. You'll do the sandals? Yeah. Okay. My feet need to What if the sandals weren't part of it? I guess I would just develop insane calluses. Okay. So you go barefoot then? I guess so, yeah. Socks at least. Yeah, socks and barefoot. Okay. Okay. Where are you getting these? What is uh, what website are you pulling these off of? This is this is all Matt here. <laughs> Allmatthere.com? <laughs> All right, what do you want too much of, uh, nose hair or ear hair? I don't want too much of either of them. Can I shave either of them or trim either of them? Yeah, you can trim and shave and pluck to your heart's content. It just, that's where you're going to have to shave and pluck. Well, then I'm going nose hair because it's already like that. (laughs) I have some some real... The devil you know. (laughs) I have some real overachievers in the nose hair department. All right, would you rather have braces for the next 20 years or have to wear gloves for the next 20 years what are the gloves made out of Mm, patent leather oh sensual braces like stuff would get stuck in 20 years i'm gonna wear gloves but then you can never feel the, the the sweet sweet caress or you could never give a sweet sweet caress i'll just pretend like i'm rogue i'm the x-men (laughs) It'd be fun. It's I was going to say, which isn't too much of a change of your normal bedroom <laughs> antics. <laughs> yes, I am a, a power sucker. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've got enough material here. I can work with this. Yeah. Just, are you done with me improvising for the night? Oh, my God. 
I can't wait to hear this discussion. <laughs> This week, in the continuing saga of Matt's hard art series, we watch what I feel to be the true lesbian tour de force, Duke of Burgundy. I didn't take down the year, but it's only a couple years old. 2014. Only a couple years old. Mm-hmm. It's one that I saw in theaters, uh, and I'm actually going to tell you about the time that I saw it in theaters. I saw it with my good friend, Devin. Okay. Uh, we saw it at SIF Cinema. Okay. And... The location of SIF Cinema, the seats aren't particularly large there. Mm. I'm 6'2", Devin is 6'7", 6'6", 6'7". He's a tall lad. Mm -hmm. This wasn't like a blockbuster film. We go in, the house seats, I don't know, 150, something like that. There's six other people there. Okay. We go sort of near the, the top right, like screen right i guess you would say sure not smack dab in the middle we're tall so like we put our feet over the seat in front of us Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's like our knees are pressed against the seats in front of us right and as like the theater is literally at two percent capacity (laughs) we didn't feel that it was a big deal so it's about two minutes before the movie's gonna start this guy comes in walks all the way across the front of the theater all the way up to the row in front of us, walks right in front of us, and gives us the, uh, <coughs> like, scoot over or move your feet hand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, what? Excuse me? What? <laughs> so, like, we move our feet, and he sits directly in front of us. What? And, like, the, there's literally 142 other seats to choose from. <laughs> There are some that are much better, center screen, right in the middle of everything. Weird. That he is ignoring. I mean, Devin and I just, like, get up and move down, like, three seats. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, he, he did, like, the, the shoe movement with his hands. You should have moved directly in front of him. <laughs> I don't think it didn't cross my mind. <laughs> but it was like, I'm just here to see a movie. What a weirdo. I know. <laughs> it's like, so it was, it was like Devin and I, and then there was, like, two other groups of people okay and like uh, two other people were sitting way up front and two other people were sitting way off to the side so really like the sweet spot of the theater the very middle of it empty Hmm. like he had his pick of like what you would traditionally consider the choice seats and no he chose to sat directly in front of us uh not to be too much of a lawyer here but uh why didn't you guys sit in the middle i think because we wanted to put our feet up and we didn't want to be dicks and like take up more than the, you know, oh, more than one prime seat. Okay. So we're like, we'll put our feet up and we'll do it out of everyone's way. Mm. But I just, I always remember that. Like that story had zero exaggeration because it needs no exaggeration. <laughs> huh. So I was a little worried going into this. I was like, is this really as arty as I remember? Oh yeah. And it is. It's plenty it, arty. It, it is. I was like, okay, good, 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 good. This movie has the unique quality of crediting a perfumer in the opening I credits. I saw that too. Yeah, I remember seeing that in theaters and be like, huh? And I'm watching it now and I'm like, huh. Do you think it's because everyone smells different? 
my theory this time around, just because you can't see it or hear it doesn't mean that it's not affecting the actors. Sure. If they put different scents on the actors, that might make the actors react differently to one another mm-hmm. or approach the situation differently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, even if the perfume is real or if it was just something to like be funny, but I like to think that, that different scenes had different scents. Yeah. And that was a, a perhaps a clue or a key in terms of how you should approach the scene based mm. on the smell. Mm-hmm. Sort of a pheromone type thing. Gotcha. You've talked in the past about really liking uh, credit sequences, like plopping you in the proper headspace for the movie. Do you feel that this one did that? It did, because it, it, it sort of uh, harkened back to like 80s giallo movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those movies sort of centered on, in a subtext sort of way, fear of female sexuality. Mm. And that's what this movie is. Yeah. Like, that's all that this Nary movie is. Nary a man to be seen. There's Yeah, there's literally zero men in this movie. <laughs> which, I, I have a theory about that. There are some mannequins. There are. <laughs> but basically, when you strip away the bondage, when you... St- strip away the dom sub stuff when you strip away the piss play mm-hmm. when you strip away the human toilet and the tying up and things like that this movie is just kind of two people trying to make it work <laughs> yeah I agree like with that's that. That, that's really what this movie boils down to yeah boil down to its bare bones that's what it's about i would agree <laughs> uh but uh i would also argue that the joy of this movie comes from the piss play and the human <laughs> toilet and uh, all the bondage S&M stuff. So you're a sci-fi fan. Uh-huh. And one of the fun, like part of the draw of sci-fi is that it sort of is a magnifying glass over reality. Yeah. That it can take like everyday concepts, but it blows it up so that it makes it very obvious and that you can play with it more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's what it did here, except instead of having science fiction concepts, it had sort of kinky sexual concepts to magnify the banalities of everyday sort of romantic life. Because they had a routine. They had a pattern. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it wore on them, and sometimes it was fulfilling, and sometimes it was exactly what they needed. Which is how a relationship can be. I got the impression that Cynthia was the triple G partner in the in the relationship more than Evelyn. Like Evelyn kind of seems like the more demanding one and but Cynthia's more than game to go for it. She doesn't hate it necessarily, but it's not really her bag to be the Dom. So the the world that this movie takes place in seems to be one it's this sort of sapphic paradise. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's literally no men anywhere, even in society. Uh-huh. Like they go to that school to hear lectures on like moths and butterflies, and there's no men there. It's all women professors. Species identification will partly rely upon the duration of one syllable, usually in milliseconds. 
The carrier wave expressed in kilohertz is another factor in identification. And since these species are also visually indistinguishable from each other, the sound they produce should differentiate the two. Dr. Schuller, if we could hear Brilatalpa, Brilatalpa, please. But it's also, there's sort of the implication that it's entirely lesbians as well. Because yeah. when the carpenter comes over to like measure like the bed prison, they she talks about how she's a little backed up and she just made another bed prison for like someone in their neighborhood. Yeah. I uh, love that line, by the way, where she's like, I can't remember her name. And they're like trying to figure out what house it was. And then they're like, I'm surprised you could make a bed big enough for her to be locked in. Okay, then it's the same custom what I'm thinking of. I mean, let's say even in the most sapphic of lands, women are still catty bitches. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe this is a Venus from uh, American Astronauts. Yeah, I, I was, I'm thinking more now that it's just like, uh, you know, a more civilized version of that weird London underground oh from uh, tipping the velvet <laughs> yeah part two of tipping the velvet uh because yeah there's no men but the the uh the widespread nature of like this bdsm culture like they talked openly about their kinks with this carpenter woman yeah and she seems like she's got a lot of work yeah yeah she said <laughs> that she's too busy like she has too much pressure from customers like they can't fast track their bed dungeon <laughs> Don't you hate that? <laughs> uh, but they, the way that they talk openly about it and the way that, that she talks about her other clients yeah. gives the implication that like it's not like there's some sort of level of discretion in this community. People are open about it. Yeah. So and like she got it wasn't they didn't get her number from someone down the street who's like yeah they like looked her up on the internet yeah (laughs) although it's hard to say when this movie takes place it is yeah it's kind of out of time yeah like the fashion looks a little turn of the century but you kind of get the implication this might be the 60s or the 70s it's hard to say like no one has a phone like yeah it's just kind of out of time someone's got a victrola they walk everywhere there's no or bike there's no cars yeah and they, they have like a record player but it's not so old that you'd think it was like a Victrola or a turn of the century, but it doesn't look modern at all. It's yeah. hard to, yeah. She uses a lantern that sh- it's like a f- stove or a f- camping lantern that you light rather than a yeah. flashlight. Yeah. Like a kerosene lantern or something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And like candlesticks at one point too. But yeah. So it's hard to tell exactly when and where this takes place. Yeah. But I mean, it looks like it takes place in like Northern England, maybe. Yeah. <sighs> I was going to say Maybe Italy. the region of Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, probably, possibly. We don't know. I don't I mean, think it's important. Though. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that I don't quite understand about this movie, even on rewatch. But yeah. uh, so we have Cynthia and Evelyn, and they have this lesbian dom sub relationship. One of them, Cynthia's a entomologist. And it, yeah. I got the impression that Evelyn was like a student. Yeah. Or like her page girl or something i don't know <laughs> uh assistant maybe i mean everyone seems to be into bugs because the carpenter comes over and in order to try and fast track the deal 
Evelyn is like, We have a mount of extremely rare satirids. You wouldn't find those even in the museums. They're worth far more than nymphalids or burnets. And, like, that's, like, a bartering tool. Like, that's, like, a level of currency in this community. And she doesn't seem not tempted by the offer, but she just can't right. take them and fast track it because it's just not possible. Right. And so, I don't know, bug stuff. For me, it was, uh, it kind of had to do with, um, so when you take something that's kind of in nature and then you put it in like the cases like they had, it's beautiful to look at, um, but it sort of robs it of its, of its life. Mm. And so in a way, that's sort of what uh, is happening when they're doing all this constant role-playing yeah it kind of robs the joy and spontaneity of the passion from the relationship a little bit oh see i that was, was in- my interpretation i was interpreting it and i and i think it, it's going to be both here where they chose like moths and butterflies specifically because they start out as caterpillars and then they cocoon up and come out as you know a different creature you know oh, visually yeah. at least um and I kind of felt that like that was the overall tone or the theme here because these people are working at their relationship. Oh, yeah. Like, they're trying really hard, and they go through bad spells. Like, really, we the beginning of the movie is sort of them in a good spot, and we follow them through a rough spot, and by the end, you get the idea that they've come out in a, in, in a good spot again. But, I mean, anyone who's been in a long-term relationship knows that there's, like, hills and valleys to these relationships. Yeah. And sort of, uh, I always felt like the butterfly moth thing was sort of, you know, these bad points in a relationship are sort of the the, the pupa stages. Like a transition period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a necessary step in the evolution of this life. I read somewhere that while caterpillars are in the cocoon turning into butterflies, they literally lose, like, all structure of their bodies and basically just become this like weird sentient goo that mm. reassembles into a butterfly. Mm. So this movie is all about just them at a sentient goo stage of their relationship. Yeah. That, I mean, that is sort of what it is. <laughs> and I think that it, it's kinky to keep us drawn in. Like the kink is sort of an enticing thing, but I watching it th- like the, like the feeling that this is essentially just, a slice out of someone's love life only got reinforced on rewatch. For me, I really just enjoyed the ambiguity of it all. When you're performing, like as a role play situation, and especially when it's in a negative reinforcement situation like this one, mm-hmm. where like Evelyn feels loved the colder that uh, Cynthia is to her, I just love how that gets played with like there's that scene where they're like laying in bed in the morning Mm. and uh evelyn's like say something to me and cynthia's like i love you so much and she's like no say the other stuff yeah (laughs) and she's like i'm not happy i'm not happy with you at all really really what have i done and then they go through this whole thing where she like says all these dominating things and then makes her come and then Evelyn critiques her she's like try to have more conviction in your voice next time which is so weird because it's like she wants her to be sound more convincing when she's when she says she doesn't love her 
which later happens kind of, you know, when she really doesn't love her as much, you know, she really is kind of pissed at her. I just love that interplay. Yeah. Cause you know, from an outsider's point of view, you think the Dom's in control of the situation, but yeah. you know, if you talk to someone who's actually in like a DS relationship, like the sub is really the one who's calling all the shots mm-hmm. in a lot of these things that, you know, the subs, the one with like, the rules and the safety word and things like that. And they're the ones who are requiring things a certain way and things like that. And it really comes across here. Like Cynthia is, is the Dom, you know, she's even got like the gear, the boots, the, uh, the corset. stocking, the corset. And, you know, when this first started and you're not quite sure, like it's not introduced, like they're a couple. Yeah. It's, it's an ambiguous beginning, which is great. Yeah. It's introduced like Evelyn's like a maid mm-hmm. and that Cynthia is just the like bitchy boss mm-hmm. and Evelyn doesn't wash her panties properly. Uh, <laughs> properly. And so as punishment, uh, Cynthia pees in her mouth. 15 minutes into the I movie. I took that down too. <laughs> Lie down. Open your mouth. It happens, and it all happens behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, wait a minute, did I hear a zipper? Yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> and I rewound it because I was like, are they doing piss play 15 minutes into this movie? Yeah. And yes, absolutely. It happens that quickly. Yep. It's not just that she's getting peed on. You can hear it like hitting the hollow part of her throat. <laughs> and then she spits it out. It's all going on the podcast. <laughs> You'll hear it. Uh... I'd like to add real quick, this movie's Duke of Burgundy, so I actually picked out a Chardonnay from the region of Burgundy well, today for that. us. Look at you. It took a lot of searching, because the QFC Wyoming Place does not have a large international section. <laughs> well, good job. Cheers. They actually have more wines from Australia than just France. Oh. All the way down under, huh? Uh-huh. Most of the wines are from Washington or California. Well, good. So, as they should be. You know, America first. But yes, then that's then the next scene is they're in bed and they're sort of being affectionate towards one another and She's you're like, like, Oh, I loved it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that was all play. Like it was a scene for them. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> like, I get a clean place and all I have to do is pee in someone's mouth. Shit, man. Yeah. I'll take two. <laughs> I felt a little bit for Cynthia, though, which is what I guess what we're supposed to feel. Because then, like, the next time around, because it, it shows that same scene happening again, but mm-hmm. this time from Cynthia's perspective. And there's a lot of her, like, she has to drink a lot of water so mm-hmm. she can pee. She has to, like, there's certain times where she just has to kind of wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she kind of gets bored. Yeah, I, I really like that because there's, like, the scene where it's, like, uh, Evelyn's out there polishing the boots. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of see her, like, counting beats. What are you doing? I told you to clean my boots. Do that again and you'll be punished. 
she's going through the motions and the rhythm, but like her heart's not in it yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Like she's she's doing it because she knows that it gets Evelyn off. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole reason why she's doing it. Yeah. You get the impression that she likes the the sex that they have after the whole game is over. That's just sort of more tradish. There's also, I feel like, a, a you know, Evelyn seems like perhaps like a young thing. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia's a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Yeah. Her back goes out once in a while. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which is an important part of the dynamic that they have. Yeah. I wasn't sure when they first started doing that scene again. I was like, oh, are we just going to get the same scene from a different perspective? In a way, we do. But it's not the same take, which is what I thought it was at first. Mm. And you know the way I was able to tell? Because the cat was facing a different direction Uh, on the couch. God, you're like uh, Kathy Bates in Misery when she tells (laughs) that the penguin is facing north instead of south. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I noticed just because I saw the cat and I was like, oh, kitty, because that's how I do it. Uh And then there's like a weird, the first time through, there's a strange sort of like cut to the cat's face. Yeah. So I remembered it. And then when they were doing it the second time, I was like, it's the same shot. It really is. It's the same angle, yeah. Yeah, but it, except when they come into the living room, the cat's facing a different way, and it's like, different time! Good directing there. Let, let's you know that it's a different different time and place. Yeah. This director, just while we're Peter talking Strickland. about... Peter Strickland? Yeah. He also wrote it. Uh, so he did Barbarian Sound Studio, which is uh, one of the few movies I can uh, count that has a sound engineer as its lead character. So like of that course, and Blowout, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, and the conversation. Really. Oh, yeah. That, that's about it. But um, I... So I jumped on that movie, and I loved it. Sound design was great. Also, sound uh, soundtrack by broadcast. So, I mean, it's like... it's like Also, a, uh, love for Toby Jones over here. I mean, it's a movie made for me. <laughs> this one, uh, he also pays really close attention to sound design in this movie, he, too. He does. He does sort of a David Lynch thing where the sounds that you're that are like in the focal point of the characters mm-hmm. are much louder than other sounds. It's hyper real. And it starts at the very beginning, like the sound of the the stream flowing mm. where the camera is. It wouldn't sound like that. Yeah. Like the microphone is literally like next to the babbling brook. Yeah. And the, that is not where the camera is. So, it, and the birds are super loud too. They wouldn't sound like that in that environment. So it makes, it just makes this sort of like hyper real. Yeah, situation. I I noticed that like you couldn't always hear them walking, but if they were wearing high heels, like when Cynthia was wearing high heels, you heard oh, that when she yeah. walked, but you couldn't hear Evelyn walk. Those sort of things, like the important sounds to the characters, mm-hmm. were the ones that were at the forefront in like the sound mixing. Yeah, which is always cool. David Lynch does that a lot, and I always think it's great because it creates like an, an otherworldly quality mm-hmm. when when the sound is unnatural. It's an easy way that you don't see a lot in other movies yeah. to, to give a sense of unease p- potentially. Sure. Watching it this time around, I feel like this movie would be a great double feature with Stranger by the Lake because I, f- I really feel like it's sort of the flip side of the coin. Like Stranger by the Lake is like gay men, you know, and it's a little bit more uh, austere. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit more bare bones. This is very Baroque. It's very ornate. Lush. Yeah. Uh, you know, very noticeable soundtrack, whereas uh, Stranger by the Lake had like zero soundtrack. Sure, yeah. Um, Stranger by the Lake, of course, was about gay men and sort of a, a, a magnification of 
you know, what we think of with gay men, you know, being sort of slutty and promiscuous. Whereas mm-hmm. this, it's like two women who are committed to each other, but you know, in they, it has its own problems to it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I could definitely see myself doing a double feature of those two movies yeah. sometime. So I mentioned earlier, I really enjoyed the sort of um, interplay between when are they being real and when are they not. Yeah. And I like that play. Have you ever heard of a play called The Maids? It's written by Jean Genet. He's a famous French I know who that is. Okay. Yeah. I was reminded of it a lot while watching this movie. Okay. And it's about these two maids, both women, who sort of have like an incestuous sex thing sort of implied, but it's definitely like dom sub, but they kind of switch roles. And they also switch roles where one of them plays the mistress that they're serving. Oh. And at one point, one is playing the mistress and the other is playing the person who's playing the mistress and she slaps her. And you don't know if that slap is coming from the person hating themselves or from them hating the sister or if they're just, from the play. So it's just like, you know, playing as the mistress slapping the the servant. So there's like three levels of... I was going to say, my head is spinning right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And I got a lot of that from this, especially in the scene where um, Cynthia is complaining to Evelyn about hearing that Evelyn was polishing someone else's boots. Okay. You polished her boots, didn't you? I'm really sorry. So what else did you two get up to? Nothing. Really? Nothing. I swear, nothing. I just polished her boots. I find that hard to believe. Did she punish you? I couldn't tell if Cynthia was just turning on the dom and like, I'm unhappy mode, or if she really believed that Evelyn had cheated on her in this way. And then I couldn't read whether Evelyn was playing along or if she was really upset that she would be accused of this. Yeah. I mean, the movie does a good job of sort of illustrating that there's a real thin line between sort of play anger and like, I'm actually angry at you. Yeah. And you you don't know where that line is. It kind of jump ropes that line. And you know, sometimes it takes a couple scenes before you realize where they are. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, Evelyn is, is super, super sub. She wants to be, she wants her face to be sat on with, like, the full <laughs> weight of Cynthia. I loved that scene the first time when she was insecure about asking the question. And then she's like, can you let me go now? No. That's hilarious. She has to think. I was like, is this play? Is this... Uh... No. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's drawn to the attic. Well, the the carpenter scene, this is like the the really the only time where like someone else sort of enters their lives mm-hmm. is when the female carpenter comes in. And you can see Evelyn being turned on by her like measuring the bed and then taking Evelyn's measurements. Like yeah. this you know, blonde woman is treating me like an object. Yeah. And that's like getting her all sorts of moist. And it's a cool scene too, because this movie is definitely like, a, like I've been saying, not afraid to be ambiguous for periods of time. Mm-hmm. And 
when that started going on, I was like, what is happening? What is she measuring for? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it you, goes on you don't for know. A, a good amount of time. You're just like, what is what is going on? Who is this woman? Why is she here? We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out that's what it's for. So, Yeah, she's measuring this like bed dungeon. And she's like, do you want drawers or do you want the spring top? And, you know, she gets in and she's locked in this small little compact dungeon for the night. It's a birthday present. While Cynthia would sleep on top comfortably, presumably. Yeah, the whole bed. Yeah, Um, which I'm 100% fine with. I know. She got upset when she started locking her in the chest and she's like, you should just sleep with me. And it's like, honey... (laughs) You got the whole bed. You get the whole bed now. I would totally just turn on 30 Rock and fall asleep. I know. I'd be like, I'll get you in the morning. <laughs> You'll put on DS9 and be like, see ya. <laughs> just, uh, you know, shout Panastri if you need me. <laughs> when In that scene where she, uh, she was locked in the chest and she started saying Panastri, uh-huh. I always hear it as be nasty. I know. Me too. And that's... At first, that's what I thought she was saying. I looked it up afterwards because I, like, I don't think that's what she was saying. Yeah, it's like a moth or something. Yeah, it's a type of moth. In that region or something or, or common to that region or something. And I know that that was a, an, uh, a choice. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Be nasty, be nasty. Like, it's got to be. Yeah. Be nasty. But I like how she was... She was Pinastri is the, the safety word. Their mm-hmm. safe word, essentially. And... Cynthia lets her out and she's like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I just had a mosquito bite. I'm like, mm, you that's woke what me broke up for you. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd was, be like, get back in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, you know, she'll get pissed on. She'll have her face sat on. She'll be humiliated. Mosquito bites a deal breaker though. Mm-hmm. The, so the carpenter comes over and Evelyn, and Cynthia wanted this bed dungeon for Evelyn's birthday, which was in two weeks, but it, it takes eight weeks to make. Mm-hmm. There's so much demand because this, you know, Isle of Lesbos that they got going on here, full of DS lesbians, just coming out the wazoo. <laughs> uh, or going into the wazoo, yes. as the case may be. <laughs> uh, there's just too much demand. She she can't she can't pump out. A dungeon bed in two weeks. When do we get a carpenter's story? I want to know. I want to see her workshop. I want to know who works for her. I want to see the day-to-days of uh, that. You want to see her her AR reports? Who's your clientele? (laughs) Who are you invoicing here? Does she make the beds herself? Like, I just see her with, with like, a table saw and, like... (laughs) I mean, that is the implication, because she was there taking the measurements and doing all the... The the long and short and the, the hard work of it. <laughs> and like uh, in the credits, she was just called The Carpenter. Yeah. So I'm assuming that, yeah, she made him herself. Wow. Yeah. I want to see her workshop. I want to <laughs> see what she's making. Duke of Burgundy 2. The I new lo- batch. I love that. Yeah, she's doing, she's doing S&M beds and human toilets. Yeah, and- so they, they can't get this bed dungeon done in time. And so she's like, would a human toilet be a suitable compromise? And Evelyn's like, what? (gasps) Human toilet, you say? Why didn't you start with that? (laughs) She is 100% on board with the human toilet. That's when when, uh, Cynthia's like, I have to go. (laughs) You don't want to stay in here about the human toilet? No, hon. Just uh, don't buy anything without me first. (laughs) 
so that's how subby Evelyn is. She's like, I'm ready to be a toilet. Yeah, she can't get enough of it. <clears throat> Which good honor for being in touch with her desires. Yeah, no one's got any hangups in this movie. It's mm-hmm. not like I mean, Evelyn is very vocal to a fault about what she wants and needs. Yeah, she's a very bossy bottom. Yeah, she definitely is. <laughs> but she's only willing to serve in the context of sexual servitude. Because at some point, when they're carrying that chest out of the attic, Cynthia hurts her back. Yeah. And Evelyn starts rubbing it for a little while and then gives up. She's like... Rubbing that's not going to help. You just need painkillers and some ice. Yeah. And later on, it's like Cynthia's like obviously in pain, and Evelyn doesn't offer to give her a massage, and they have a little lesbian fight about it. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, she's like, well, you're not dressed very sexy, so it doesn't make oh, me want to yeah, touch she's, you. She's just in her pajamas. And, and she's she... like, sometimes I just want to wear my fucking pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> I need an instruction manual to get into half of the things you buy me. I would just like to feel comfortable. Thank you very much. Yeah, she's like, what you're wearing isn't very inspiring. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Come on, girl. I know. And then someone's like, maybe this isn't worth a clean place. <laughs> this is a lot to deal with here. God. You get the impression that Cynthia is getting what she wants out of this relationship for the most part. But it's reaching a breaking point you- when it comes to, like, sleeping in a, in the chest mm-hmm. and waking her up in the middle of the night to mosquito bites and things like that it's, it's reaching a point where she's like okay this isn't i'm not cool with this anymore yeah because emlyn definitely seems very childlike or infantile almost mm-hmm. like there's the scene when they're at the lecture i guess yeah and they're talking about the snappers and evelyn's kind of like antsy and she's like I don't want to be here. This is juvenile. I already know everything. And like, it turns out like she doesn't. Yeah. And she asks like kind of a stupid question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she feels embarrassed by it, of course, later. But it's like she kind of has like this juvenile quality to her yeah. that Cynthia definitely does not have. Cynthia seems cool and level headed, but Cynthia is also the one that has to like get, you know, in the corset and the leather boots and the stockings and like. She's got to do all this work. And, like, there's the scene where, like, she gets fed up and, like, rips the stocking yeah. off. And it's like, oh, yeah, being a dom's a lot of work. Yeah. Especially if it, your heart's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's got to be difficult. Yeah. I like that interplay later, too, when she finally does sort of say, like, she sort of embraces the hate part of her. Like, when it is actually Evelyn's birthday. Mm. And she's like, surprise. And Evelyn's like, what? And she's like, you get to bake your own cake. Here you go. And Evelyn's like, uh, uh, um, okay. It should be noted that the, the, the birthday took place almost immediately after it was revealed that Evelyn polished someone else's boots. Right. right. And Cynthia did not care for it. And, and, but we were talking about that scene. Like, does she actually, is she actually angry by this? Or is this part of the play? And yeah, and that's the thing is like you still don't know at that point because the next thing is her being like, okay, I'm going to have you bake the, have your bake your own cake. And also, you know, this whole time Evelyn's been complaining. She's like, I wish you were more spontaneous. And so finally she's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to take this into my own hands. And she's like, here, surprise. And I get the impression Evelyn's kind of into it. She's like, okay, this is new. This is different. But then like Cynthia takes it to another level where she like, 
eats the cake and like yeah, puts she's... her face in the ground and puts her foot on her mouth because she starts to say the safe word. She's like, pretty nasty. But... And she's like, shut up. Yeah. And just eats the cake while she's... And and she says like, Oh, if we could all just say penastri to end our torments. And Evelyn starts crying. Yeah. And it's like, it's that thin line like, Cynthia's not doing anything worse than what we've seen. Yeah. Like, we've seen her do much worse that got Evelyn off yeah. earlier. But this, because it's not coming from like a place of eroticism, and it's just Cynthia being angry and this is the only way that evelyn like responds to her being angry Mm -hmm. like it's a different thing yeah and i think that is a beautiful way to illustrate how relationships can go sometimes yeah but it also almost feels like cynthia's getting off a little bit on it now she's she's back on the like i kind of like this dom thing again maybe not in a sexual way but just in a regular like i'm glad that i'm behind the driver's wheel yeah again yeah like i've taken control of this car yeah then we get sort of a strange uh dream sequence this is when the movie really turns capital a art and i think that this happens in uh barbarian sound studio too where the movie seems pretty straight i mean straightforward enough until like like toby jones like walks into like the same room over and over again or whatever it was like yeah like into the movie too i think for a minute yeah that one always feels a little it's more confusing than this one this one kind of made sense to me this one because i think there's sort of a precedent for it because there's several times where we have sort of weird dream sequences and this one just felt like an extended dream sequence to me and in this... Although we don't know who's dreaming. I can't really tell. Well, I was also going to say, in this, you don't know if it's actually a dream. Because, like, yeah, weird shit happens, but it's not so weird that you could strike it out of actually happening in the reality of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, when all the moths and the butterflies start coming around, it's like, okay, this is probably not happening in yeah. real life. But it... It's not so out there that it that couldn't be an option. If it's the segment you're talking about, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Evelyn's dream, because the camera kind of like pans over Cynthia and like her dom thing is like she's sitting there in the dark. Yeah, and then goes and then into her crotch. opens up her legs. Yeah, and then like as it ends, it it zooms out of her crotch. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm interpreting it as Evelyn's dream. Like it it starts and begins with Cynthia's genitals. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting because then once we go into S- Cynthia's vagina, <laughs> uh, the focus of the dream is Cynthia's perspective because then suddenly she's looking out uh, off that balcony and she sees Evelyn walking in the woods. And she, well, first she opens the trunk and Evelyn is nothing but a skeleton, mm-hmm. closes it. And then she looks out and she sees her. So she follows her into the woods and then she sees that same trunk and opens it. And this time Evelyn's in there. But Cynthia crawls in and then presumably dies with her. So you could interpret that as Evelyn sort of sympathizing with, like, if if Evelyn is realizing that my happiness in this trunk is, is just bringing her in there with me. Like, she's becoming another sub, sad coffin situation. Yeah, because it, it reminded me a little bit of in Blue Velvet. Like, we get a close-up of the ear mm-hmm. uh, near the beginning. And then 
after like everything's gone through and like Frank has been arrested or killed mm. something in that movie the camera pans out of Kyle McLaughlin's ear real slow yeah and it sort of bookends like when we go into the ear in that movie that's like when the crazy stuff starts to happen and when we come out like that means that like we're clear of it mm. and that's sort of what this kind of reminded me of a little bit it's just a crotch instead yeah yeah basically <laughs> yeah i i can see that i guess i land on it's an evelyn stream too because then she, by going inside cynthia she sort of sees cynthia's uh take on it but then when she turns around and then the moths start flying she's blindfolded which means that like she's been blind to this situation the whole time um, and she still doesn't quite see it until we get that the final scene, really, where it's the panties again, mm-hmm. the the dirty undies, and uh, Cynthia just cannot perform. She just can't bring herself to do it. Yeah. What's this doing here? I left it on the pile. I left it on the pile for you to wash. Sorry. I I didn't see it. How could you not see it? I left it there, on the pile. But I can wash it now. It's not a problem. No, you can't wash it now. <laughs> and it is a problem. <laughs> And good on that actress. What I wrote her name down. Uh, Sidsi Babbitt Knudsen. <laughs> She's Danish. Uh, I mean, I've never heard of any of the, the actresses in this movie. Yeah, I mean, and the other, Evelyn's from Barbarian Sound Studio. Like, that's it. So. Okay. But um, she she really sells it. And it's hard as an actor to read the same lines in different ways, I think, I would assume. It just seems like... That's always one of those things that really impresses me. Like, when you're sort of acting inside of a movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. Like, they're putting on little scenes for one another in here. Yeah. Uh, to go back to David Lynch, like, in Mulholland Drive, when uh, Naomi Watts is, like, reading this, like, awful screenplay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, like, when she goes to the audition and fucking sells the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what this is. Yeah. She's good. It's a touching scene at the end, kind of, because finally... She's just like, she starts to cry and she's like, I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. I, I'm sorry, I'm ruining everything. And finally, Evelyn's like, it's okay. I yeah. love you. <laughs> we don't have to do this. This is a luxury. Yeah. You know, like, I I don't feel so much pressure to do this. And then you kind of get the impression that they talked it out a little bit more and they remove the like cabinet and they're like, let's just leave it at piss play. <laughs> That was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of sweet. <laughs> I mean, it, and that's what I mean. Like, this is really just two people trying to make it work. Yeah. Like, that's what this movie is at its core. Although, I don't know. The ending's a tiny bit ambiguous because, like, it ends with Cynthia, like, staring at herself in the mirror, like, putting on her lipstick, like, is this... This is my life. <laughs> yeah. Is this okay? <laughs> So it's sort of, I don't know, bittersweet, I guess. But I mean, relationships are work. Like, you're not ever really in just autopilot. Mm -hmm. Like, you still have to work no matter how many years you've been in one. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that's the note that you're left on in this movie. Yeah. That it's like, we're in a good spot. It's still work. Yeah. And I like that. And I, I feel like that the ambiguity in this is just that right amount of ambiguity. Like, you can watch it in a purely logical sense and see, like, it goes from point A to point B and track it. But there's so many little ambiguous nooks and crannies through this movie that you can attach your own meaning or own, like, greater sense to that it really kind of lets your imagination run with these characters or with the meaning of this movie. this was clear from what we've been saying but uh i didn't like this movie you didn't i loved it Uh. (laughs) 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 got me going there no this is one of the best movies we've watched for the podcast i think oh really oh cool i'm glad you liked it i really really liked it (laughs) yeah it's it's one that i've been sitting on for a while i needed to wait for the right moment it's been talk talk about edging (laughs) This has been a year teasing me with this. Fuck. I think it's time for me to throw my card into the ring. So, yeah, I want to do a capital A art film. Yay! Yeah! And uh, mine's also a love story that involves... I can tell that you're lying just from your eyes. That involves a little science fiction and some pigs. Can you guess it? Dune? <laughs> you got David Lynch on the brain today. No, I want to do Upstream Color. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, that that movie, is that a love story? Is mm. it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Is it really? Yes. Are you sure? Positive. Also, an existential conundrum. I will watch it only because because Shane Carruth is super hot. Mm. Also a talented director and writer, I would I would argue. Mm. You will have to argue. I'm ready to argue. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised on rewatch then. Okay. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. Tune in next week to find out. I'm a wild card. Who knows? Let's plug our junk and get out of here. Go to our new website, xratedmovies.com, just for the sheer sake that we have that domain name no how many times have you typed it in and come back 404 this time it'll be us yeah and there's staff picks there's episode archives there's season guides there's all sorts of good stuff on there so go to the website mm-hmm. don't forget that you have the option to rate review and subscribe to our podcast in apple podcasts and that gives us you know the edge gives us a, a little more clout we can say we've got 10 five-star reviews. How about you? Follow us on Twitter, at X-Rated Movies. We, uh, we tweet from time to time, or tweet at other people, or retweet stuff. Yeah. Just like Evelyn enjoys being sat on for large periods of time, we enjoy being tweeted at. Fill our collective throats with tweet urine. Tweet <laughs> <laughs> You can also send us an email. That is x.rated.movies at gmail.com. If you're more discreet, like uh, the carpenter, and don't want to share names, you can do it there. 
And uh, like us on Facebook, at Rated X Movies. You'll find out what's coming up next and see trailers for movies that uh, we'll be talking about. Sounds fun. All right, next week, Upstream Color. I can't wait. (laughs) See you then. Bye.